Let us continue in prayer. Gracious God, we pray that you would open our eyes to see what it is that you have for us this day in your word. We pray that you would open our ears, that we would hear, that you would open our minds to receive it and our hearts to believe it, that through all of this you would strengthen us to serve you more faithfully and to live in deeper connection with you, in strong trust in you, in the knowledge of your grace and of our place in your kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Our scripture this morning as we continue through the book of Acts is Acts chapter 18, verse 23, and then reading through chapter 19, verse 7. After spending some time in Antioch, Paul set out from there and traveled from place to place throughout the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. When he arrived, he was great help to those who by grace had believed. For he vigorously refuted his Jewish opponents in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There are about 12 men in all. This passage, I think, is a very timely one for us today. For what we see in this passage are two instances of people who were religious, but who didn't fully get it. Lloyd John Ogilvie, who died this past June, was chaplain of the U.S. Senate, and before that he had been pastor at the Hollywood Presbyterian Church in Hollywood, California. Under his ministry, the church grew, and many, many people came through that church and into ministry and into great lives of discipleship. Uh, He wrote a commentary on the book of Acts, and in it he says this about this passage. Perhaps the greatest challenge we all face as communicators of the gospel is to introduce religious people to grace and the power of the indwelling Christ. Religion is humanity's effort to be righteous and adequate on the basis of self-effort and to live life dependent upon self-sufficiency. It is the strenuous desire to live for the Lord rather than by his power. It is the strenuous desire to live for the Lord rather than by his power. Our churches are filled with good, moral, respectable people. They have domesticated the gospel into a set of rules and regulations, rites and rituals, which can be accomplished with little contact or need for the Lord. The church for them has become a culturally conditioned institution of cherished programs, traditions, and procedures. The result is a practical agnosticism. 
Daily pressures and demands are confronted as if Calvary and Pentecost had never happened. The secret of the renewal of our churches lies in liberating religious people who do not know Christ personally. So there are two things I want to look at here about how we can become more of a church that knows Christ personally, that experiences the Holy Spirit, and who lives by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, directed by the Holy Spirit into our world to do what God is calling us to do. And the first is to be open to God's leading and instruction. Apollos was a very bright man. He lived in Alexandria. He grew up in Alexandria. Alexandria is like saying you're from Alexandria then was like saying you're from Cambridge today either Massachusetts or England, either way, they're very um, educated cities. They're where the intellectual elite go to meet and to talk and to learn. Apollos was a highly educated man. It says he was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord. He spoke with great fervor. Not only was he intelligent and capable, but he also was passionate about the gospel. But there was a piece missing. And Priscilla and Aquila, a, husband, a wife and husband team, called him into their home and said, Apollos, you're doing great work. But there's something very important missing from your understanding of the gospel and therefore the understanding that you're able to create in the people to whom you're speaking. So they corrected him. They corrected him, and not in a public way, not in a way that would humiliate him, but in a very careful way. But the key is that Apollos was willing to hear that correction. Apollos was willing to heed that correction. Now, I've heard people say, to explain themselves to me, uh, more than once, well, you know I'm a proud person. And they think that justifies them. They think that explains them, and therefore, because they're a proud person, I'm not really supposed to help them understand anything differently than they already understand it, and no, and no one else is to do that either. If you ever think to use that as an explanation for yourself, I would say, repent. Repent. Pride. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Pride is the basis of sin. So don't be calling yourself proud. Don't be saying, well, I'm a proud person, because then you're saying, I'm a big sinner. Be a person who is humble, who is ready to understand better what you already understand in part. Apollos knew a lot, but he didn't know it all. You know a lot, but you don't know it all. I know some, but I don't know it all. We all have to be ready and willing to learn, to grow, to deepen our understanding. Lloyd John Ogilvy went on to say, we can religiously extol Christ's death and still justify ourselves with our own goodness and performance. In other words, the problem comes when with Apollos we understand that Jesus died and we can even understand that Jesus rose again, but if we don't know that he ascended to the right hand of God and sent the Holy Spirit to empower us, we're doing all of the work of the church 
all of the work of the kingdom in our own strength and power, which is impossible. Because it is a kingdom work that cannot be done in human strength. We have to understand the fullness of this gospel and receive the Holy Spirit, receive the life and direction of the Holy Spirit in order to know how we can do what we're called to do and even in order to know what we're called to do. The second thing is, Priscilla, I think I said I had two things. We'll make that three just so you're not frustrated later. Um, The second thing is, um, Priscilla and Aquila were willing to bring correction. And then Apollos later, when he continued his ministry, he was a great help to those who believe because he debated. He proved that Jesus is the Messiah. He was willing to call into question the belief of others. And Priscilla and Aquila were willing to draw into question what Apollos already believed. They were willing to correct him. In our day, this is very difficult because we have this underlying philosophical, cultural presupposition that everybody's truth is their truth and their truth is just fine for them and there is no absolute truth, there is no truth outside of ourselves and it would be wrong for me to tell someone else that they're wrong because, well, maybe they're right and maybe we're both right and even though we contradict each other, it's all okay because all truth is just, you know, whatever we want it to be. This is an assumption that comes directly out of a godless worldview. It comes out of a worldview that says there is no creator, there is no ultimate authority, there is no truth centered in anything outside of the self. God says, I am God, I created, so therefore the rule book is written by the one who created. And therefore, there are rules, there are right ways to understand things and wrong ways to understand things. There is truth and there is falsehood. And it is vital for us, as Priscilla and Aquila did, nicely and kindly and individually, to help people understand the truth. Not to let them go on with their own understandings, which may not be according to God's word. Because when we stand before God, it will not be our own understanding by which we're judged. It'll be God's understanding. It'll be God's truth. And it is right and good for us to learn that truth. It is right and good for us to share that truth. That was, that was point one parts A and B. Point one parts one and two. Anyway, Point one, be willing to learn, which is two parts, be willing to learn and be willing to teach. Now part two, be open to God's power and direction. The faithful, Apollos and those approximately 12 disciples, were missing something. They were missing the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And when you're missing that, The Christian faith is just like any other religious system, which, as Lloyd-John Ogilvie said in the opening quote, is just a humanly constructed system for good behavior. But it is not connection with the eternal God. And it is our call as believers to be connected 
with the eternal God. The Christian life is not just about rules. It is about relationship with the rule giver and with the one who has the power to strengthen us to abide by his commandments. One pastor wrote, any trust in human goodness, even if coupled with faith in Christ, reveals that the person does not understand the gospel. And so many of us do exactly that, do we not? We believe in Jesus as Savior, and we say, ah, I'm saved now, but I don't want to lose it, so I'm going to keep doing what's right, and I'm afraid. Always this fear hangs over our heads that somehow we're going to lose our salvation because we are making our salvation depend back on us rather rather than on God's good grace, his completed work in Jesus Christ. So let us trust in that. Let that be the foundation upon which we build our lives. Let that be our trust that God has completed our salvation and then allow ourselves to learn and to follow as God leads. And our faith is not about following someone or following something. Paul, um, in speaking again about Apollos in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, writes, some of you say you follow me. Some of you say you follow Apollo. Some of you say you follow Cephas. Some of you say you follow Christ. And none of you are right. And when I was a kid and even as a a young adult, that that really confused me because I thought, wait a minute, why are you including Christ in that? Aren't we supposed to follow Christ? Isn't that the idea? So yeah, those who say they follow Paul are wrong. Those who say they follow Apollos are wrong. Those who say they follow Cephas are wrong. But those who say they follow Christ are right. But I don't think that's what Paul was saying. I think Paul was saying all those approaches are wrong. Just like, I'm sorry to say to any one of you who was a Christian in the late 80s through the 90s and had one of those WWJD bracelets. Some of you might still have one on. There's a good thought in that. What it means is, I'm going to make my decisions based on what Jesus would do. Well, yeah, that's good. But there's something much bigger that Christians are called to do. Jesus is not just an example. Jesus is our Savior. Jesus is not just someone to follow and do as he did, but to follow and do as he is doing. By the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ indwells us. By the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ moves within us, strengthens us, gives us direction, helps us to see what it is that God wants to do, what it is that God is already doing, and calls us to participate in what God is doing. What is Jesus doing is a far better question to ask ourselves than what would Jesus do. Jesus is not a static example from the past. Jesus is alive. Jesus is calling us to follow him now, and we can only do that if we are connected with him by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Be open to what God is doing. What did I do? <laughs> A quote from... Um, 
think that's from another sermon. Anyway, <laughs> there was something really good that I don't think I included here, so I'm going to say something else. Um, another problem, along with the what would Jesus do and the I follow whomever, is a, a, a survey that was done. I might have mentioned this before, but it's worth repeating, uh, by Christian Smith, who about... 15, 20 years ago, did a survey of youth in the United States. And what he found was that most Christian youth believed not in the gospel of Jesus Christ, not in the indwelling Holy Spirit, but in what he labeled moralistic therapeutic deism. Moralistic means that God wants me to be good. Therapeutic means that God wants me to feel good. And deism means that God is out there not really personal, but real. All three of those concepts are flawed. Yes, indeed, God wants us to be good. Yes, indeed, God wants us to feel good. But when we divorce that from a relationship with God, what we end up with is a legalism of how I'm supposed to live and therefore a fear of what would happen if I don't live well enough because this God may get me and the therapeutic, a real frustration when God doesn't let me feel good all the time. When I think I want something or need something emotionally and God doesn't give it to me, then I'm like, well, what's, what's your point? What's your purpose, God, if it's not to make me feel good? Well, God's purpose is to create you to serve him, not to serve you and what you think you need because our hearts are flawed. Our desires are flawed. But God is good, and God sees all things rightly. And ultimately, the feeling good that we find is we find it in God, not in anything that we ask God to give to us. So we have a lot of ways, a lot of ideas that come at us that need to be corrected, and a lot of ways that we tend to live by default that are not living by the Holy Spirit. So I encourage you, find what God is doing. Discover a relationship with God by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Ask God for the Holy Spirit to fill you, to guide you, to bring life to you. Don't let your faith be a set of rituals, a set of activities, a set of as churchy as they might be, things you do again and again, thinking that you're faithful. Because while you may be being faithful to a set of ideas or to a social construct or to an organization, unless you're open to what God is doing, unless you're open to the Holy Spirit, you're not being faithful. To God himself. And what would it be like if we could put aside all of those things, all of those habits, all of those wrong thoughts, and embrace what God is doing now, here and in the world around us? Let us pray. Holy God, thank you for your word. As challenging as it might be, for we like our patterns, our habits, our structures, 
but you offer us so much more. So I pray now in the silence of this moment, and I ask each person here to pray in the silence of this moment for your Holy Spirit, for your Holy Spirit's indwelling, for your Holy Spirit's direction, for your Holy Spirit to fill And Lord God, may we be faithful to you in all that we are, in all that we do. We lift up to you those who are struggling. We lift up to you those who are struggling with health, those who are struggling with mental health, those who are struggling spiritually. We lift up to you those who are in the path of the hurricane. We pray, and those who are dealing with the destruction that it has caused. We pray for your strength to be with each one, and we pray that you would raise up your church to hear your call and to heed your call, to reach out with help and hope in situations like that and around the world, and not just those big ones, but the interpersonal situations where you're calling us by your Spirit to bring help and hope to those in need. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.